0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'm talking to Santino Fontana. The actor has been on the radar of theatergoers for years now, since notable performances in shows like Billy Elliot, A View from the Bridge, Cinderella, and Sons of the Prophet. While TV audiences got to know him over two seasons on the CW's musical series, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Now he's back on Broadway and earning raves in Tootsie. The new musical by Robert Horn and David Yazbek, the Tony-winning songwriter behind The Band's Visit, relocates the 1982 film comedy from the TV industry to Broadway, where the difficult actor Michael Dorsey finds his greatest role when he transforms himself into the actress Dorothy Michaels and gets a plum part in an ill-advised new Shakespeare musical called Juliet's Curse. Tootsie has been nominated for 11 Tony Awards, including one for Fontana for lead actor in a musical, and the actors in the studio with me to talk shaving, corsets, comedy, and the delicate personal and political dance of playing a man who's playing a woman. Hey, Santino. Thanks Hello. for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. A um, pleasure.
0: Congratulations on your Tony nomination.
1: Thanks. How's Thank it feel? Uh, great. It's, you know, I'm honored and uh, flattered to be in such great company yeah. and, uh, yeah, and and thrilled for the show.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's it's nice when uh quite a few in the rest of uh, like the rest of your show is nominated as well and it's yeah big.
1: Yeah, four um, of us in the cast and then um yeah, it's great, it's great. Yeah. We're having a great time and it, it's great to know that um people are also enjoying, you know, what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Does it great. does it feel different this time around in no in the Tootsie is now one of the sort of, you know, awards contenders that everybody's sort of buzzing about. Does that make your experience of this time different? Uh...
1: I mean... Uh, no. <laughs>
0: yeah. mm-hmm. Sadly.
1: I mean, I, I mean, in the sense... That here's what's great. Especially doing a comedy that's this... Undeniably funny where you can't... you. Individuals may not be laughing at everything, but right. the other fifteen hundred and fifty people in the house are. Right. So, in a way, it's great to see, uh, uh, like the, the community uh, embrace the show and 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 recognize and and reward it and say we see it and we like it and you guys are doing well. Well done. Right. That's beautiful and lovely. But we also, like I said, you know, every night we're getting to we get that from the fifteen hundred and fifty or sixteen hundred strangers who we've never mm-hmm. met. Uh, who aren't, uh, you know, writers or critics necessarily, but audience members who are loving the show. So that kind of has been the wave that really I think we're all really writing, which is, it's just so rare. I mean, I've been in so many comedies, (laughs) and it... And dramas, but I've been in so many comedies that get half the laughs. Weekend.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it is rare the number of jokes that land. I don't. I like. I. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I experienced that in the theater. Amen. It's, That's yeah.
1: exactly how we feel. And as an actor, <laughs> I feel that way. I mean, I, uh, I knew it was funny. I didn't. I knew it was funny, right. but I also knew I didn't expect the audience it to be. Every night is a bit of a amazing battle, an amazing battle between the audience and the cast of fighting over who's in control <laughs> over the show. Because, I mean, I saw a friend of mine came to the show the other day to a matinee that we didn't, we were like, oh, it was bad. We were bad. And the audience was bad. We were, everyone was bad. And he was like, what do you mean it was bad? There was applause in eight scenes. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I, you know, like, you don't see the, you don't see that. We're just right. living it.
0: So what happens when the audience takes control? Does this just the laughing? Keep well, going and going and going. Well, it usually falls or?
1: to me to kind of be the to adult to be like, yeah. no, 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 no. We're telling a story. Is that
0: either? Is that easier as Dorothy or easier no. as Michael? Okay. It's well,
1: no, it's definitely easier as Michael. Okay. Because yeah. Dorothy would let you know. Yes, oh, okay. and also it doesn't ever happen in the. Se- well, no, it doesn't happen in the scenes with her. Okay. It happens in the scenes with him. It happened on opening night. It was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Within the first five minutes, I was like, oh, no. And um, Scott Ellis and Dave Solomon, the associate director, uh, they came back at intermission. Or they, we were texting, and they were like, thank God you did that, because we would have...
0: But what did you do? What did I basically you... just
1: remind people that, yes, this is hilarious and funny, but it also is... There's a narrative... Yeah. of an imagined reality with circumstances that are not our own Right. that we have to engage and embrace in, and we're not going to let you... Uh, this isn't a stand-up comedy show. Right. So we can't just... Because I know where we're ending. And is that you...
0: Is that, oh, right.
1: <laughs> you is, know, I can't... Oh, i got to turn the car around. Right. Like, so I know we have to... I just have to lay in what's really important okay. about the story and, and for the character.
0: And that's you adjusting the dial on your delivery in terms of... or.
1: It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I could explain. I think it's like, um, well, you see it, you know what you, where you see? It, you see it in like uh, uh, like political debates, you mm-hmm. see it, where yep. an audience is taking over and somebody, the, you know, some opponent has to remind people about the seriousness of right. this. And in this case, this is a guy who can't get work. Right, right. So you have to lay that in. Right. Yes, it's hilarious and funny and that joke was funny, but this man is about to make a terrible decision. right. That is entertaining, but terrible. Right. So, you know what I mean? Right. And you have to make sure they uh, realize that or were sunk in the end.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about logistics, because I feel like, as I was watching Tootsie, it felt, it was easy for me to forget the fact that as you were, you appeared on stage as Dorothy, and then you came back as Michael, and then you came back as Dorothy again, that it, it, it was very easy for me like, it took me halfway through the show. I was like, wait a minute, that's hard. Like, it, there must be a very elaborate sort of dance that happens backstage in all those transformations. Yeah. What, t- tell Thank us you. a little that's bit about it. I, I mean, I, I really sort of ended up forgetting for a while that. Uh, that's great. That, that I stuff mean, that's the magic but, trick
1: that we're trying to do. So. But tell us a little bit about it. First of all, Sure.
0: Shaving. What? Tell me about shaving. What sure, I have
1: to, to shave because I am light skinned and mm. I have dark hair, yep. which is the worst combination you could have. Yeah, if you're that was trying- a bad choice. That not right. good. Not good. Genetic pool. Um, <laughs> so, um, for this, um, I shave an hour and a half before the show starts. I have to shave, uh, and it's it's in depth. It's there's. Oh, Hot towel. There's oil. Yeah. There's cream. There's a brush. There's a single blade, like German Merker blades, that goes one direction. I shave one direction. I repeat the whole process and I shave the other direction. If there is bleeding, and oftentimes there is, yeah, I use a styptic pencil. Uh, to stop the bleeding, I use a aftershave, uh, and then there is, you know, we use another astringent before we start the makeup, which is an hour before, and that takes thirty minutes. And I, I, there must be a whole makeup thing that happens, There's also a whole when team. you yes,
0: but when you change from character to character, yes. does your makeup? I mean, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how that works. What like what changes? And well, the what, great thing, the uh, team of the, there there is an army of people uh, uh, working. They call themselves Team Dorothy, which uh, (laughs) Brian Stromwasser, Lauren Galatelli, uh, Michael Ferguson, Margot Lawless, Sarah, uh, 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 Laura, uh, uh, all led, you know, Joe Sibley and Jesse. No, it's an expanse. Is is that like 10p? It depends. I was trying to
0: keep track. It
1: depends on any given day who's in, who's out in terms of uh, the crew and also what's going on costuming, makeup. But there are people like there's one person only on my fingernails wow so you know it's yeah it's like a war movie back there people right. are shouting <laughs> there's a lot of loud noises there are people there are strangers in the dark you, do, <laughs> you don't there are flashlights um are you in the wings usually or do always, you guys go to
0: wow always okay
1: yeah there's never a moment i will tell you there are only two moments in the show where i have any time where i'm i'm literally waiting mm. and that is at the very end of act two there's a scene between uh, Andy Groot-Lucian and Sarah Styles. Okay. Yeah. and I have about 30 seconds there where I'm chilling nice. which is nice nice what do you do? And I'm, I'm just going, <laughs> I either go to the bathroom or I get water sure um, and just kind of calm down and yeah. then the and then in the top of Act 2 kind of after Andy Groot-Lucian sing a scene and song uh, and then Lily Cooper has a song there's another like 30 seconds in there where I he and I have nothing to do so we have water and we, you know, that's it. Right. But otherwise, anytime you don't see me, it's a war movie. You're in the yeah. I'm in the I'm in the trenches yeah. <laughs> with a bra and elastic and a corset and makeup and nine people following me around.
0: And tell me about the wig. What? Yeah. Was that the wig? Was that always the
1: wig? Did you have to find the wig? What? And yes, we did. I mean, Paul Huntley. This was, you yeah, know, he did he the a He did the well-known movie. Broadway wig designer. Yes, did but he he also I didn't did, know that he did the first one. Oh, so this has been a kind of a great, and he had a kind of a complicated experience on that movie, I oh. think. Oh. And he, um, but this has been kind of a great bookend, I think, for him. Uh, and we initially looked at initially the first time we we tried wigs. I was a brunette. Oh, and uh, and it was just my natural hair color, right. and then we they had photos of like Tina Fey and Julia Louis Dreyfus and me, and they like mixed our faces up to try to see. Was that creepy? Yes, that was, yeah. It was not <laughs> not creepy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> William had led that charge. William Harvey Long, but um, the costume designer. The costume designer. designer. Yeah. But then I was like, I think it's too. And we all agreed it's too severe. It's too. It's too much like Michael. Yeah. What's the biggest difference? And I remembered my grandmother. Uh, dyed her hair red Mm. uh, had glasses wore pearls a lot and I was like what if we go with my grandma's hair color Um, and then they started looking at that and they were like I think you're right I think this is closer and then it was a you know it was a gradual process of figuring out we did long hair we did updos we did we tried everything right Um, and then they all weighed in did how did putting the wig
0: on change your, or I guess of all the accoutrements that you were donning for Dorothy, what is uh-huh. the thing that defined it? for The wig uh, the is the most. Okay.
1: The wig, I think, does the most for us because it's a huge. Not only just the contrast of between Michael and her, uh, it feels that and the glasses. I right. think are huge. Yeah, they're huge. Um, that's. I mean, yeah, those are the big things. Those are the things that definitely help. You know, you have you have to deal with hair her hair in a way that I don't have to deal with hair. You know, there's just an awareness. There's a physicality to it. And, um, right. Uh, the same with the glasses. So right. yeah, that, those are definitely touchstones to help. Right. Yeah. And you have a corset and uh-huh. all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. okay. Butt pads, corset, bra, <laughs> yep. shaving my chest, shaving my legs, shaving my arms, pantyhose. My mic packs are in my butt. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. So wait, Can you sit? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you I can do. sit yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I recall no. you sitting. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. I sit a lot. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, yes, so that's all, and that's all fine. But, but uh, right. yeah, it's a it's a delicate, there are also mics in, I think there are like eight wigs per show for, because the problem is, you can't have a wig on and off and on and off and yeah, on and off, right. and it won't survive. Right. So, they've also figured out, I think we were the first time, there is an, an actual mic pack and the mic. In the wig, oh, separate uh-huh. from my mics, is Michael, which are on my ears. Okay, so it, it yeah, it's elaborate. Wow, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we haven't even talked about the dresses. The the costume might be Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's a lot. That. And did you, were did you have to look for inspiration in terms of transforming yourself this way? Did you watch I don't know Drag Race or,
1: well YouTube
0: I, makeup tutorials? I don't even know what
1: but. I did. You know what I did do? I did. During, I was in. I did a short stint in Hello Dolly, yeah. and I did. Um, I put my face. I had a buddy of mine who does uh, hair and makeup. I was like, "Can you? Can we do a rough pass, just like us? Like if, like what Michael Dorsey would have done? Because right. I don't know anything about it, and yeah. I need to learn as he would learn. And so he, you know, we did the whole thing. We he put make, we put makeup on. We did it, and then we did various levels of makeup just as a test mm. on my own. And, um, I took my face and I put it in one of those websites where you can try every different hairdo. It's really only, I've only found them for women, not right. for men, but, uh, uh, cause then I tried to do it. I was like, <laughs> I want to do that.
0: Um, um,
1: so all these different hairdos and I went around, uh, backstage like to Bernadette Peters and <laughs> I did, I did. I went to Bernadette Peters and I showed her and I, and she marked the ones that she liked. Pretty girl. And not so pretty girl. The one she didn't like, and then I gave him to Victor Garber. I gave him to Kate Baldwin. I gave him to everybody, and like just kind of got a rough idea of what everyone thought. Uh, But other than that, um, you know, we've got a great the makeup uh, designer Angelina Avalone and Paul Huntley and William Ivy Long and Scott Ellis leading the way. Uh, Those are who I put my trust and faith in, and that's as it should be. So. Uh, I would speak up when I felt like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I just wanted to try everything. Yeah. Um, and we did. We have not yet talked about
0: the, the... I imagine there was a whole voice thing going on for you because yeah. it, it turns out that women have different voices than men do. Mm-hmm. So, um, they what, do. Tell us a little bit about sort of what's involved for you.
1: So three years ago when we started the whole process, there. The initially there was no... Uh, differentiation in the music between Michael and Dorothy. And I was mm. like, guys, we gotta do something. In terms of the key, in terms of the Everything, style, all the things. T- I okay. mean, granted, bu- building a show is a huge undertaking. There are so many things to deal with. So when they're dealing with structure and they're dealing with tone and they're dealing with characters and plot and right. what is the show within the show and why? how much do we see of it and is it today? Is it the 70s? What What are we doing? Right. Um I think the last thing on their mind was, well, we wrote this song. That's her song. Right. And I was like, yeah, but hold on. <laughs> right. If right. she enters speaking like this, we, she's got to sing like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the great thing is I have the uh, great voice teacher, Joan Later, who I have known since I was 20 or 19. When I moved to the city, we exchanged lessons for babysitting. I babysat her kid and exchanged her Aww. lessons. Yeah, no, it's very sweet. And actually last night, Doug Sills came to the show. Oh, yeah. And he, uh, when I was... 17, he was on tour with Scarlett Pimpernel, wow. and my, who became my acting teacher, mm-hmm. uh, had gone to school with him and said, Will you meet with this kid? Uh, I'm from Washington State, and we went to Seattle and said, so Will you meet with this kid and tell him how important going to an acting school is versus going to some other school? Right. And I met with him, and he, of course, was singing, and he also was a great actor. And right. he said, You know, go to the acting school, and when you want to sing, email me. And, uh, I went to college for two years, three years. And I said, okay, I think I feel like I need to start. If I really want to be able to do both, I need to start looking into that. He hooked me up with Joan later. And that Got was, it. you know, two, that was in 2001. Okay. Ironically, yeah, wow. I saw the Full Monty that summer. That was one of the first, um, you know, Broadway shows I saw. Right. Which is hilarious. So, because <laughs> Dennis Jones, who was one of the strippers in it, is the yep. choreographer. David Yazbek wrote the music. Yep. yep. So, it's full yep. circle. Anyway, yeah. so Joan later, um, she knew what the assignment was, and we started playing around right. with what what can we do, and what's what's achievable eight times a week, you, and what is achievable
0: eight times a week. How do you? What is the name? Well, the great thing, yeah. yeah, I don't. You're, you can't. Like, like, where's where's are you great, a bass? You're a, uh, or not a bass? I'll uh, take it. Yeah, uh, yeah no, <laughs> no. I
1: think you're fine. No, I mean the the biggest thing, and I see this this across the board, and it is it is a through line not only with my parents but the teachers who have really changed my life and helped me identify the kind of person and the kind of actor I want to be as well as, and that applies to Joan as well, Uh, the through line is no one was interested in labels or Mm. categorization. So it's not a question of, you know, what makes you think you can do this? Well, well, why not? And one of the first things when I moved to New York, Joan asked, or I asked Joan, I was like, people keep asking, am I a baritone or am I a tenor? And she was like, you just say yes. Mm. And then you sing it. And we'll sing it the way we want to sing it. You're capable. You're only limited by your imagination, which is exactly what all my acting teachers always taught me and what I think is true of humanity. So um, I can't tell you. I don't know, you know, right. what really I'm doing. I mean, I do know what I'm doing physically. Right. I don't know how to talk about it Okay. Uh, that well. <laughs> Physically, in terms of breathing, right, and Everything. kind of raising well, your there's also a register, that. and yeah, also, well, and that. also, like for yeah. example, like a, a man's um, typically, and it's not every, you know, there are every there are eight million different types of men, and there are eight million different types of women. Oh, right. So, on average, however, the average male uh, larynx and vocal cords is about the size of a quarter. Mm. Uh, I, I believe a woman's is about the size of a nickel. Mm. I think. I remember um, we talked about that. But right. so basically you're just thinking, okay, so things are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. So there's Your vocal cords are stretching. You're making all these different shapes in your body. Right. You know, it's no different than playing, uh, you know, I, you would think about this for any character. Right. How are they different than me? Right. How are they most different? And in this situation, we wanted to make sure there was a contrast between Dorothy and Michael, which is, right. I think, um, you know, it's vital.
0: Yeah. Is it, how how much more challenging is this kind of, both singing and kind of vocal range for you that uh, well it's definitely unlike is. anything
1: i've ever done yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah. I will say the great one of the other real gifts of doing this show is that in the same way that i think people feel about Dorothy mm-hmm. um including like my wife who sometimes wishes i like hung out with her as Dorothy you <laughs> know like that will never happen. <laughs> um Dorothy cannot exist in stress. So, the fact that Michael is continually banging his head against a wall and unable to see what's in front of him clearly, she is able to walk in on air, both physically and vocally. So, it's a constant cool down. Right. So, all the screaming and all the, you know, angst of Michael and all the, uh, you know, uh, all that crap is then countered by her ease. Right. And I think that's what's keeping me alive. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. I'm knocking on wood, I hope. Um, but so far, so good. We, now that we've talked about all the sort of physical challenges,
0: we haven't yet mentioned the, in some ways, even bigger challenges of sort of addressing this story, telling this kind of story yes. uh, in the contemporary climate. Um, things mm-hmm. have changed since 1982, um, which yeah. is great, but also what do you guys do with it, right? And exactly right. How, so, How have you come to think about it?
1: Well, I mean, I I think, well, I, I do think it's a testament to uh, both Scott and Carol, our producers, and Scott Ellis' leadership and direction, mm-hmm. and Robert and David Yazbek mm-hmm. and Andrea Grody, our music director, as well as a pretty damn progressive cast of people who are not going to say sh- crap that mm-hmm. we feel like isn't taking in the whole picture. And I think uh, what Robert has done so brilliantly uh, is address all of the issues head-on. And not only head-on, but making you laugh yeah. while it... Which, you know, there's a great... And I've said this before, but there's this great uh, Billy Wilder quote. If you're going to tell people the truth, you better make them laugh or they'll kill you. Right. And 100% that's correct. I mean, Jeff says... When I come... My best friend... The guy who plays my best friend, Andy Lucian, the character of Jeff, says uh, when I walk into the restaurant... Bill Murray Dorothy, the... Yeah, the Bill Murray, Bill Murray in, in the, the movie. Yeah. He says... Uh, what is it? You have the, uh, when men, when women are clutching back their power from between the legs of men, you have the audacity to take a job away from one by perpetrating one. And Michael's response in his complete hubris and unable to see it is, you're not focusing on the positive. I got a job. <laughs> you know." What I, but, um, and that, I think, encapsulates, it tells you what our show is mm-hmm. and also why it's a great story. To be told. I mean, any story of somebody learning empathy by pretending to be someone they are not and realizing the gravity of their terrible decision and actively then trying to make amends for that, that is a story we, sh- we all need to be telling over and over and over again. Um, who did you go to for advice as you were... It sounds like you talked to Rebecca Traster. Rebecca Trayster, yeah. yeah. What did, Straight to the top. What? Yeah. I, <laughs> so, I was like, well, you know what? It's a great story. So I initially... Did William, you know she loves Tootsie? apparently You're okay, going to okay. love this. Great. And I haven't told this to anybody, I don't think. Great. So I told... So William Ivy Long and I both, initially, we were like, we've got to... And William's kind of a family friend. He did my wife's wedding dress, oh. and he did yeah. Cinderella, and I love right. him. Yeah, right. I was like, we got to... This is scary. I mean, also, this was all happening. I mean, this has been in the works for years, this show. So all of the stuff that's happened, which personally, for me, I was so thrilled to finally see some, some form of justice for the myriads of people I know who have been mistreated and harassed and abused. So... That was great, and then I, also at the same time we were like, wait a minute, how do we do this?
0: Was there ever a moment where you thought of throwing in the towel? I wondered that mm. like, if if there was like a no. time in November I, 2017,
1: for instance, I that did not it was, okay. because because I think it makes it even more important that even it shines even more of a light on what the hell have we been just dealing with and thinking it's okay, and what a great opportunity to put someone literally in their shoes and be forced to face it and we can laugh about it and learn about it. So, that said, William reached out to Gloria Steinem. Sure, As you do. All right. uh, (laughs) Maybe she's busy. And um, Emily Mann at the McCarter Theater who was also a friend and we went to the same college and she reached out to Gloria as well to try to put us in touch and Gloria was very lovely in an email saying, I would love to meet with you guys. I'm very busy doing this thing but you know what? We can talk in the fall of 2018. That was after Chicago. So I was like, absolutely not. Mm. And I... Uh, a playwright friend reached out to me Winter Miller great playwright who yep. said I think you need to make sure you guys do this right I love you I support you but I'm also worried for you and I was like so am I <laughs> so I literally and she mentioned Rebecca Traster, who I'd seen on TV and I'd sure. read some articles not a lot uh, yep. and I googled out of nowhere Rebecca Traster Tootsie and she has a tweet where she says it's her favorite movie and that uh, no matter whose b- bad behavior uh will take it from her cold, dead hand. right? So I was like, okay, well, that's good. So, uh, and then I went on Twitter, and I saw that she was friends with Kate Baldwin, and Kate Baldwin was friends with her. Kate Baldwin was playing opposite me in Hello, Dolly, yep. and I was kissing yes, her was. every night. So I said, Kate, what? why are you following Rebecca Tracer, and why is she following you? And she said, oh, we went to college together. Okay, Kate... <laughs> this is and as my wife said this is beshared you yeah, have this yeah. is meant to be we right. have you have to get I have to talk to her she's like well let me email her she's very busy and I was like no I understand she got us in touch we had lunch and then I found out that Rebecca Traster spoke at Michael Friedman's funeral in Philadelphia oh, yeah. at the this German town the composer town Michael friend. Friedman yes. we should say yeah sorry go ahead. Uh, composer Michael Friedman yeah. who passed away uh, last, last year last year year before um, maybe? yeah and uh, I had done a bunch of readings of his work yeah, and was a friend of his and she spoke at his funeral, which was at Germantown's, uh, Germantown Friends Quaker School in Philadelphia, which is the same school oh. that my wife went to, Michael Friedman went to, and Rebecca Traster went to. And I wow. was at that funeral, and I was like, she spoke at his funeral. Oh. Okay. So <laughs> I was like, listen, I, I think of myself as a forward-thinking, progressive guy. I want to fight for the equality for all people. I believe in that. To my core however i don't know, I don't know what I don't know, and i don't we got to get this right and I feel like in all that's happened politically and socially and in the climate recently, I do see a lot of my friends who are like minded guys afraid of insulting or offending or disrupting the moment instead of engaging in a respectful way, pulling back and becoming silent and in the same way being as silent as the people who want to rewind progress. And I said, how do we deal with this? And she s- smiled. It was like, well, you started off from the right foot. And I was like, thank God. And I basically yeah. read everything she wrote. Uh, she was working on her Good and Mad book. I right. listened to it, the audiobook version, and she and I would, be, would talk. And she basically just reminded me that all of the superficial stuff the, the easier, funny stuff, the physical stuff, the corset stuff, all that stuff, right. the makeup, that's all true and fine. But the bigger thing is that men don't have to worry. Was I hired only because I'm attractive? Did I not get this job because I didn't respond to the flirt from that guy? Do I, I don't have to worry about walking to the subway at one thirty in the morning in the same way that a woman does. Those things. And that. You know, I knew that, and I felt that, and I fought for it with my friends. And But when she said it, it just, you know, it was such a great North Star to continually follow. And to the writer's credit, they all met with her. They all, it, it was like a huge, duh, just remember, this is big. This is important. Right. We can't mess this up.
0: Has working on this show changed the way you think
1: about some of these issues at all? It's definitely broaden my awareness mm. you know uh, there's always going to be more I don't know than I do and that will never end uh, I will say I my trigger finger is definitely more uh, accessible when I see women being mistreated mm-hmm. and my instinct to want to correct the record right. uh, I have to be careful I mean I was at the uh, an iPhone store with my wife the other day and a man came in and started berating this woman working and doing stuff that happens in the play and i wanted to unleash on that guy like you are oh terrible so that's definitely changed right right yeah
0: um so let's also talk a little bit about your work on screen you've done some uh you know some tv and film work um and a lot of theater fans were also fans of crazy ex-girlfriends so you know they saw you on tv then yeah um did you Do you enjoy that kind of work? Where do you see yourself going in the uh, the future with that? I love all of that In terms of fitting into what you... Your theater stuff.
1: I mean, I think I want to be able to do... You know... I want to be able to do what all my... uh, I want to be able to just play great parts and great stories working with great people. And I don't want... I want to continue to believe that we are only limited by our imaginations. And in all... You know, I want to be in all media. I had some, there was someone at Stage Door in terms of working in all mediums, mm. who uh, came because they were fans of Shades of Blue, which I died in like episode nine. Ray Liotta threw me off of a building. Okay, Steppenstein, yeah. why'd you have to die? We loved you. We heard you could sing. We came. <laughs> uh, so I, <laughs> I was like, great. And then two days ago, I did an audio book called You, written by Caroline Kepnis, which is mm. this very dark kind of serial killer story which is great which is now a tv show yeah i was gonna say
0: that's a tv show now i did the audiobook
1: before okay yeah and it has kind of this cultish which is great in a great the best version of the word cult yeah um following and people came like i love you i listened to it and then i heard you were doing this so i came so that's already happening which is kind of amazing and i have to pinch myself but um as well as, as frozen and cinderella yeah right of course um uh uh yeah, I mean, in Fosse Verdon, just uh, we shot yeah, just happened. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. yes, variety is the spice of life. I became an actor because, well, for a lot of reasons. I think I've been trying to avoid an identity as long as I can, <laughs> and um, if I wanted to be the same person all the time, I would never have been an actor. So, right. that's great, yeah. you know.
0: Have you watched the last couple seasons of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, in which your character was played by another
1: actor? I love I Skylar. I did not. Okay, I have not, But I also, to be fair, I don't watch me in anything. I don't watch anything that oh, I really that you've been in. in. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I have tried, and I usually just end up He's, incredibly angry at myself. Is that also true of something like Frozen, where you're Everything. not actually watching yourself? Well, no, okay. Frozen. But, see, Frozen, I've seen probably three times. Yeah. So. But no, I, yeah, no, because then I give myself, I watched Frozen, the f- <laughs> it was insane. The first time I saw Frozen, I gave myself notes during it, like, oh, you should have you waited a beat there, Santino. And I'm like, waited a beat? It's animated. They edited. Yeah, I'm ch- not doing it. They did That's that. That's not my yeah. timing. <laughs> you know, like, uh, so that is hard for me. Um, yeah. yeah, so no, I don't. I don't watch, to be honest, I don't watch as much TV as I probably should. I don't. Sadly, are
0: you in Frozen too? I don't actually know.
1: I, uh, as of now, I am not. Okay. However, I yeah, do not could know. change. Right? That could yeah. change. Right. Um, I would love to be. I will say. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you're in Tootsie for the foreseeable future. It seems like yes. Um, and what? Are there roles out there that you feel like you've always wanted to play? Is there, is there,
1: I mean, yeah.
0: male or female that you've oh, always boy. wanted to play?
1: <laughs> mm, oh boy. I think, um, I mean, yes, there are, and yet I feel like the life of an actor is the life of having your heart broken because either you're bringing that vulnerability on stage every night, which you should be, and that's our job. You don't, you don't get a job you wanted, your heart's broken. You finish a job that you loved, your heart's broken. Um, or you're playing people whose hearts are broken. Um, and I feel like I've tried to limit the ways my heart can be broken, and I think having a wish list of roles is one of those ways. <laughs> 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 However, that said, no, there, you know what it is to, and I think a lot of actors feel this way, I was supposed to do Pal Joey at the Kennedy Center with Christine Baranski that Terrence McNally had rewritten. Mm -hmm. That was, oh God, a long time ago now. I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be so awesome. It ended up falling apart at the last second, like weeks before we went into rehearsal. Heartbroken. Yeah. But I realized it's not about doing Pal Joey. It's about doing that kind of guy, that kind of character. And I was able to find that in another gig. You know, it's, it's that stuff. So, do I want to play Henry V? Absolutely. Does it need to be Henry V? No. Right. Uh, Richard II, I want to play him. Richard III, does it need to be those people? No. Uh, the Seagull, Hamlet, you know, it's all the obvious right. ones and, and more. And also, I mean, I talk, I text with Stephen Karam all the time about, like, where's the next play? Send it to me. Yes, this is Stephen Where Karam is who
0: wrote a play that you were in, Sons of the Prophet.
1: Sons of the Prophet, um, and he won a Tony for The Humans. Yeah, also he's, that. He's a very good friend. And, yeah. Uh, You know, I couldn't have imagined Joseph, you know, that character in Sons of the Prophet. And whereas I wanted to, I I wanted at some point in my life, I'm sure, or I know, to play Lewis in Angels in America, Joseph's a pretty damn good alternate. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, you can't plan for that. Yeah. So, and there's similar strains of all those people. So, I don't know. I didn't answer that. You, you did answer that. <laughs> and I was about to challenge you
0: to describe what Shakespearean role uh, Dorothy was. But I guess hmm. the easy answer is Juliet's nurse, because that's the yeah, Shakespearean role she's, she's playing. Yeah, but she's got a
1: little Beatrice in her. Uh-huh. Yep, and she's yep. got... I love that question. She's also got... Um, um,
0: there's, like, some Rosalind in there, maybe Absolutely, Rosalind. Or...
1: Absolutely. There's, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's Rosalind. There's... Um, there's Beatrice there's hmm oh that's a fun question I love that uh what's her name in um what's the name oh Constance King John oh wow a little wow. bit when she gets upset alright I see it yeah <laughs> I mean um yeah yeah I'd say yeah that's a good mix All right.
0: Well, we look forward to seeing you in whatever Shakespearean role, whether it's in Shakespeare or not, not. that you play (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in the future. And enjoy the rest of your time in uh, Tootsie. Thank you very much. Thanks Thanks for having me. That was Santino Fontana, Tony nominated for lead actor in a musical in Tootsie, up for a total of 11 Tonys and now playing at the Marquis Theatre. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, please rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. And for all you podcast junkies out there, I'll be in Nashville from May 31st through June 2nd for the first PodX conference, bringing together your favorite networks, podcasters, and podcasts all in one weekend. If you're in town, come say hi. In the meantime, I'll be back next week with another current Tony nominee, the Emmy and Tony winner, Brian Cranston. Until then, see you at the theater.